And welcome back to another episode of the Rice and Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Tung Nguyen. Today I'm joined by my longtime uni friend. It's Theodore Nicolaitis, or Theo for short. Theo, how are you going today? Pretty good, Tung yourself, eh? Hey, I'm doing great, mate. We've actually, it's been a long time coming, this episode. We were supposed to organize this, this a while. And I feel like you always gave me shit for never having you on. Always did, probably for like what? Two or three years since you've started this. I told you from episode one. Hey, when am I getting on this show, eh? That's the sad part. I've always wanted to have Theo on, but I think I just got a bit lazy with trying to organize what to talk about. But there is a special topic I think Theo can give a lot of insight on. We'll dive into that in a minute. So let's begin with how I know Theo. I've told this story before, back when I was talking about how to make friends in uni. And Do you remember specifically what I did? Right, I remember the first day walking into uh, into that uni class and just seeing you wear that TSM hoodie. Yeah, Team Solomit is a League yeah. of Legends team for context. And that was, was that the reason why you sat next to me? It was actually. Um, I remember walking in, I, I looked around. There was a few, few you know, there was a few um, seats there. Yeah. They were empty. But the first thing I saw was the little logo that said Team Solomit on it. And as I walked around, I saw Wild Turtle on the back and I'm like, no way. This guy's a gamer also. He's a gamer, yes. He's a Wild, gamer. Wild Turtle was a player who was in the team at the time then. And that's how we got talking. We, we started doing a lot of uni assignments together. And um, even after uni, we did a lot of job applications as well. So you've been following along with a lot of my post-uni, uh, sorry, post-high school life. So Theo and I have kept up for a couple of years now. Yeah. How long has it been? Uh, well, what was uni... Probably I'd say it was second year, so 2015 onwards. No, 17, surely. 16? No, 2014 was high school, and then we got in, I got into uni in 2015. Year 12. No, I, I didn't go to Macquarie yeah, so, straight away. So it was second year then. So, it w- yeah, it would have been- 16? Yeah. Oh, fuck. So it was second year for me, or it was first year for you, because you did TAFE first. <laughs> yeah, not TAFE. It was oh, oh, sorry, a trashy mate. UWS yeah. college, the- which I would advise not to go. We'll probably dive into a bit more of that as well. So that's been nearly seven years I've known you. Yeah, it has. We've been through. Uh, we've been through a lot. A lot. A lot. We've done a lot of things together to uh, to get where we are now, <laughs> sitting in sitting on this couch. We've studied IT together. Would you recommend going to uni? Um, look, I think uni is a great stepping stone for where you want to go in life. You know, it's it's a place where you you really get to pick up on a you know a subject or something that you want to start focusing on in life. I remember just coming out of high school, I was stressing a lot because actually I didn't get, um, the, you know, the first round offers or the, you know, the offers that a lot of the students in my class were getting, they were getting um, selected early for nursing. Um, some were doing computer science and teaching. Whereas, you know, I was doing my HSC with a few other friends and we were grinding it out. You weren't and grinding it out. You weren't you playing games? No, then? we were playing games. I remember, you yeah, know, we'd go to the library and then right after finishing the library, we would... Uh, we go home straight into uh, League of Legends. Oh, yes, the classic. Yeah, League of Legends. That's um, that's the game. That's how I, I know Tung from that same from game gaming. also. Gaming. It, was, it was more PUBG in it a bit as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know what to do. And uh, when I got into uni, I was actually, I got in doing a computer science um, major out of my IT degree, but I didn't really like that at first. So halfway through, I actually, I swapped it. 
And uh, as I swapped it on that, that second year, that's the same time I actually uh, I met Tung because we were doing a, a course together that was that like a, it's a foundation for it was, us. Yeah, it was like a yeah one of the core units for IT. Yeah. What is the difference, computer science, just regular IT? So I saw computer science as more of the coding side. So that would be like, you know, for a lot of you, you'd hear it as like your DevOps um, engineers. So you would probably see it as someone, you know, maybe a front-end or a back-end developer. What does that mean for the people that don't know? What's front-end, what's back-end? So, you know, your front-end will be like your, your facing um, application. So, you know, maybe front-end developer will be someone who's making the search bar for Google look a bit nicer or you know, making Facebook or Instagram look a little bit easier to use. Mm. So it's a, you know, it's a customer facing application type development. Whereas the back end, you know, you're making the the core the core code on how the application actually runs, how it talks to other applications, things like that. So yeah, I was struggling a bit with that one in my first year. So I decided, hey, maybe it's not right for me. Uh, and I changed it. Uh, and then changing it to that um, information systems role. Now, information systems for us was a was it was it was a fun time, but in in a short in a short way, and to to simplify it, it was more of understanding how like maybe a business is currently running now, taking their ideas and finding ways to simplify the processes, make it run, you know, make an organization run better than. I feel how like our degree was very generalized. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very generalized. It. it we did a lot of that, you know, project management type stuff. Like master of none, you know, a lot of things. Yeah, we did a bit. And we, we even did things like um, database management. That was, a, that was a dumb unit. That was a very, very amazing six months. <laughs> the amount of stress we went every, through on that one. Every semester would always end up with you and I just on Discord. Yeah. Crying and wondering how the hell are we going to get past this assignment? Oh, <laughs> and studying are- <laughs> for finals. Yeah, the, the classic one game, then no distractions. <laughs> we would play more than one game and never end up doing anything. Oh yeah, it was more than that. Bloody hell! Yeah, we we'd have assignments due. We'd say one game. It'll be three games later. It'd be eleven or twelve o'clock at night, <laughs> and we'd say, "All right, we'll do it tomorrow." Then <laughs> scrap it. Do it tomorrow. I'm pretty sure everyone has some sort of similar story when they were in uni. Yeah, rushing their um their final projects, their majors or their assignments, always left to the last minute. Is it due tomorrow, due tomorrow? Yeah, due tomorrow. Wouldn't recommend. No, nah. would not do that again. We were also at a point when we were both applying for graduate roles. And if you're a graduate out there, you would understand how insanely difficult it is <laughs> to land a role to get your foot in the door. Because it's so competitive. Especially the big four or one of those... Accounting firms, banking, just major companies with their dumb aperture tests. I never understand them. It's, it's, so if you don't know what an aperture test is, it's one of those, they have multiple tests which test your numeracy, pattern finding, comprehension, something like that. It's like three of them. Mm. And it seemed incredibly difficult. We would end up doing, we would sit the same exam, we would hit start at the same time. And we'd help each other out because then the questions were jumbled, but we might have had a similar question beforehand. And even then, we couldn't even get into some of them. Well, most of them, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get to any of them. That's how hard it was. Yeah, I remember that. Jeez. Um, what was it? Yeah, we'd be up at night and we would start just looking at different job roles because we would try and go for similar job roles together. Jeez. Like, oh. Did you have like, a spreadsheet? Yeah. So we, we had two spreadsheets. You know, Tung would make one for himself and I had one in 
on my end. And every night we would we would aim to at least maybe um, go for maybe three or four job applications. <laughs> so we would be on different sites. We'll be on um, these job seeking sites for graduate roles like Seek, Indeed, things like oh, that. LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn posts also to see if there was anything available. And, you know, some of the things they were asking us to try and do, like, remember the Telstra one we had to do and they made us do coding. And oh, one, there was. Yeah. yeah. Remember the, we had the no question, background. We, yeah, we, we didn't know what we were doing for it. And it's the, the question was to write a code that um, printed out this number if someone, you know, if someone added these values in. And we didn't know how to solve it. So instead of, you know, making a code that actually worked, we just put the answer in. So we just said, print the answer. <laughs> And it accepted it as a response and we were able to go through. Of course, Telstra probably didn't like that. They saw that and like, what's wrong with these No, two? I'm pretty sure you did that. I gave up. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh. yeah. I saw that and I was like, bro, yeah, there's could- coding on the next part. Yeah. And I just straight closed the tab. I'm like, I'm giving up. There's no chance of me yeah. getting to Telstra. And then there was some that did like EY and all that, that did the um the cognitive test, you know, where we were yeah, playing heaps. the games. Oh my The games God. in there where you had to get the two, num- like there's the answer, but you'd have to find the two numbers that gave you the answer. Click it really fast. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There was also another one where it's like you had to keep clicking and I ended up using a macro that spam clicked. Yeah. And then I kept getting through the stage. I was like, this looks kind of sus. I think I'm going to lose after like round eight or something. The worst ones were the puzzle ones. I, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from or what it gains out of it, but the ones where you have to like guess the sequence and what comes next the pattern, in the puzzle. Yeah, yeah the pattern ones. And doing that so many times, it, we were getting fed up. I remember the time that I almost got that one role in the city. It was a junior BA role. And I was telling you, I'm like, oh, I'm on the final round. There's like two or three of us left. Yeah. I went in for the interview and they told them everything I could, you know, this is what I want to do. Mm. I'm, I'm so keen. They said, you they said, you know, we'll get back to you. They got back to me in 24 or 48 hours, I think it was. They said, look, it was down to the final two. Unfortunately, we didn't select you. What was the reason? Uh, they told me, look, they said everything I did was good. It was just the other person was better. And I'm like, Oh, oh, there's not much you can do about that. Yeah, there's not much. And look, for all you you know that are, are looking for jobs, you'll get used to the the rejection letters really quickly. The first oh two, the first God. two get to you, and that was like one of the first ones. It got to me. I'm like, I don't want to apply for any more jobs. So we're getting rejected. I'm happy where I am. I'm happy time. working in retail the rest of my life. No, that's <laughs> not what you were saying. Yeah. Well, for context, you were working at. I was working at EB Games. Yeah, thanks for the discounts, mate. Yeah, EB Games. That's a. It's. It's a unique place, I'll say. It was. I had a really good work culture with um the the team that I had around me, uh, but of course, you know, once I finish uni and COVID's still going, I'm not getting the pay that uh that I need to sustain yeah, myself. So you I have need forty thousand in hex. You got to pay off. And yeah, I don't think EB is going to cut it off. No, I had a car that kept breaking down every week. You <laughs> still, still have does. the same car. Still does now. Down. Yeah, okay. I struggled yesterday, and I uh, struggled a little bit today getting here. If you're listening, don't buy a Holden Commodore. No Commodores, especially two thousand seven model. Sink. No, but yeah, the um the whole point of the uh yeah you get used to the rejections. I think it was like two or three, and then after that we were used to wait. We were just waiting for the letters, just say you're rejected. God, it was, I got so used to it. Yeah, we're just getting those. Uh, it was just automated email and they were generic too. Hey, sorry, you haven't got the job, but um, we're going to keep your data on file for the next five years. How great would ChatGPT have been when we were looking? ChatGPT. Remember, when, when I saw that a few months ago, the first thing I did was um, I grabbed my one of my uni assignments that I remember I got an answer wrong and they were saying, hey... Um, you're not allowed to hard code this. So I recoded it and I went, holy moly. 
I can't believe it. I'm able to actually get the answer that I want. Now, imagine using ChatGPT now for those interview questions and all that. that they oh, put my in God. There. That's the worst thing when you just want to throw in your cover letter yeah. and your resume and it's like, hey, answer these two questions for me. And yeah, you're like, right, I don't want to do this no, like 20 get, times. And the thing is with ChatGPT, you could just, after it gives you an answer, you can put it in there and say, can you expand more on it? And it gives you more. Now, remember, we actually paid to get our resumes and cover letters done. We did. We were at a point where we said, we gave maybe up. there's yeah. something wrong with our resume. And we paid some guy, I think. Resume was, was that 200? Yeah, it was no, like we're not advertising him, are we? Uh, All right, well, look, well, we're not endorsing him because there is mm. ChatGPT now, but we used some website that fixed it up for us. Well, some guy, he did it. Yeah. And do you think there was any value out of it? I think it helped. I think it helped immensely, actually. Um, because our ones were pretty like, like we use PDFs and all that for, it. and we realized after that, um, that the the algorithms that they use for their websites and their, um, you know, what they they do to actually read our resumes wasn't working with what we had. It had it's to be breaking? in a word document. It had to be, really? you know, using specific words and all that. So yeah, after we um, you you know, upgraded our cover letters and all that, I guess we started getting more responses and getting into second round. Like interviews and yeah, all well, that? Yeah, it was new. It was like, oh, you're not yeah, well, completely rejected already. Yeah, a couple of us actually had to go into you know an office for an interview. And, you know, that was the worst, day. Eh? This was during COVID too at this point. So some of it was really, it was weird to, to be able to go into uh, the city for a job interview. Whereas a lot of the others were, of course, just at home. It's online. We, uh, yeah, and this was the time where Team Zoom, Blue Jeans started. Blue Jeans. Yeah, started right. really picking up. It was weird to, you know, to do job interviews on a call and not in person in front of someone else. God, I hate doing that. I remember before COVID, a lot of job interviews, you had to go to the city. You spend so much time just going there and back. Mm. So glad that we can just do them online now. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, it's unpaid. Just having to drive or take a train up to the city. Yeah. And then you end up getting rejected anyway. It's like, oh. it's like I've wasted that, you know, two hours of travel. What's the point? Man? Yeah. Whereas now you can just wake up five minutes before, put a yes. shirt on. <laughs> don't, don't wear any pants. No pants, camera on, and you're ready to go. Yeah, good to go. Man, that was, yeah. Uh, I remember one of my, my final job interviews before I actually got, you know, my um, my new job was was done online. And I remember doing that interview. It was probably the third or fourth one. So I'm still quite nervous with how to present myself online because we we'd never done really it was a very new concept yeah we haven't done anything like this before that i mean even at uni you know we would go that we'd still be in person with each other doing our assignments and all mm. that or when we had to do our our pace unit we which would, is our like capstone unit we yeah. work on a big project you work on a big project and you're usually working with a with a sponsor you know they'll major big ones small businesses that usually want to get it's like a sponsorship they just um express their interest to be able to yeah. have students come and work for them, I guess. It's like work experience and it's sort yeah. of leadership experience for their company. That's yeah. what they get out of it. But yeah, even then we were always expected just to, when we had to reach out to them, we had to go to their offices and all that too. Oh, that was annoying. Man. It was, it was. I was at the, For me, I had to go to the city for that one. I was in the city as well. I was, mine was with Macquarie, Macquarie uh, Bank. I had some Suncorp. Right, we're all working <laughs> at banks. Yeah, that was our first taste of corporate life, wasn't it? But what we did come? get our break later on. You got a job offer. I got my own. You did. Oh, when you um, when you got yours, man, I was 
everyone was stoked, but I'm like, oh, now I've got to really up my game. <laughs> yeah, the I pressure's on, man. Yeah, the pressure's on. And I mean, that's the biggest thing too. Uh, the, the people around us too really... I guess we all nagged each other and pushed uh, pushed each other to really go for a get that full time job that we want to start off. Yeah, in. that's a, that's what most of it is. It's the societal pressure of the peer pressure of everyone in your circle that's landing roles, and you can't help but compare yourself. Yeah, and go like, damn, I need to find something. Yeah, it it is because you know you don't want to be that person. You know, three years into a. <laughs> You know, four-year degree with seven years left, like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, or even I then, re- you got like an expensive degree, and you're still trying to find a role that's related to it. Yeah, well, that's the that's the biggest thing. I mean, there are people out there that were, you know, there's people we know that were doing different degrees altogether and didn't like it at all, and they just changed halfway through, and they changed three or four times before they found something they were actually interested in. Mm. Sorry, I just realized halfway through this, we should probably mention why I have brought Theo on. And the reason for that is Theo and I have very similar working backgrounds. We studied the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we can provide hopefully some insight on what it's like working within the IT space. Now Theo works in a little bit of a different IT side. He's more, you were in service desk. Yeah, I did do service desk for a year. Yeah, amazing. And then you moved to more Technical roles? Yeah, more more of a technical role. I'm uh, like desktop support engineer now. That just sounds like a fancier service. It does, it does. It's a, it's a fancy way of saying I physically handle the devices to, you know, to fix them now. So I still do like a, like a level three technical support. So mm. if the service desk can't solve an issue, I can spend more time with the, oh, yes. the staff member. Or if it's a, you know, a hardware issue, I can either, you know, get warranty claims on them or pair them on the spot. Things like that. Do RAM upgrades if they need it. If they, so it sounds like a relatively chill kind of role. Yeah, it sounds relatively chill, but for me right now, it's very. Uh, it's a, it's a hectic time right now. Why is that? Oh, you know, there. Of course, you know, with um, COVID coming. I guess how the the world sees it is COVID coming to a to an end now. A lot of people. There's a lot of hiring going on now, so we need to supply ourselves with more devices. There's a big rush for hiring get things done. There's a, a lot of big changes happening now with this whole hybrid situation. A lot of organizations are moving to, you know, Office 365. And one of the things that we're doing is, you know, this big migration where we're moving everything that we have that's, you know, it's like it's on-prem right now. We're moving to a global solution. A, a, a global just getting platform. too technical, right? People are going to fall asleep. Yeah, they will this fall is a, asleep. This yeah. is a Teams meeting right now, what yeah. we're doing here. Yeah, that's what it is for me, unfortunately. But <laughs> yeah, we're just moving everything into a cloud-based solution. That's what everyone likes to hear. Cloud. Oh, cloud cloud oh, is the word. Streamline. Yes. I love that. Easy to obtain <laughs> stuff. For me, I've personally moved more to a project-oriented role. So it's more talking to people. I did do a technical role a few technical roles before, but I found that I'm not a really big fan of it being on the back end. You don't really talk to a lot of people. Yeah. The talking part really are. You're talking to a lot of people. It really exhausts you by lunchtime. Like halfway through the day, I feel, I felt tired. I'm like, I've talked to like Uh, five, 10 people and I'm really exhausted. I guess it's different depending on the person. Yeah, I guess so. There's some people, you know, you can fix an issue within like 10 seconds Others, you're sitting there for a bit, like trying to understand yourself or what, what they've done or what they're even trying to do. No, that, see, I've, I feel like I've just been do- doing too many technical roles that I've 
try to move away from being solely technical mm. and it's more of a mix of how can I apply that to your your scenario? Yeah. So that's yeah, mine's more project management. Yeah, that's well, that's what you become now, yeah, like a project manager. Now I've just got to keep thinking inside the box. Inside the box. Yeah, I'm still thinking inside the box because all my one is just the. Oh, I've seen that issue before. I yeah, know how yeah. to fix it. Look at look at the knowledge base articles. Yeah, that's it. How oh, can we? Yeah, has this happened before? Yeah, if so, if you haven't seen it before, start documenting it. <laughs> it's always the same process. I have done a similar episode in the realm of IT with my friend Kevin. That was quite a while ago. And I think at that time, I was pretty early in my career. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm very late. Well, we're not really late in our careers, but we're sort of mid-ish. No, but you've done, t- you've done like an IT role longer than I have. Like for me, this mm. would be like my second year of a proper IT job where, if, you know, you've been there way longer. A little bit. Yeah. Not too long. This will provide hopefully a more further understanding on what's been happening now. And for people that might be in a graduate role and- where they're going to go or people that might just still be in uni. Yeah, it's actually weird though. Like, yeah, even though we've done our degree, we've done the same degree. We've actually got the same one. You can see how we're in two completely different sides of IT. You know, I'm doing like a practical role. Yours is more a managerial project role. So, you know. It can take you anywhere. Yeah, it can. You're, like, I mean, your degree is just the foundation on what you can do. And it's a waste of money. Yes, it is. It's a minimum $30,000. Uh, a bit of a commitment. Yeah. But speaking of which, Theo has paid off his hex entirely before the indexation, which is going to be 7%. Yeah, I heard about that. 7%. I'm like, I'm paying that off. <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. Big congrats to Theo. Thank uh, you. Send, out, send your congratulations through the Instagram. <laughs> Myself, I have not paid it off. And if you guys want to know, it's more than 40,000. So I'm not looking forward to that indexation. However, I would rather have the money ready in my bank in case I need to access it. More so if I go traveling, which, which I'm pretty much doing most of the time. And I'll just pay it off as it goes. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah, there's some people out there that are still paying it off. And then, you know, they're in their 40s now. You know, families and all that. I, mean, I think my sister's still paying hers off too. I feel like once it hits the 10K, I would probably pay it off. Go all in. Yeah. yeah. Then then your pay slips will look a bit nicer. They do. It was the best feeling in the world to um, contact my payroll department Oy. and go... Yeah, to to refill out that form and say, do you have any student loans? And you go, no. Ooh, oh, signing that, must that paper. Be nice. Oh, it was nice to say, here's the document. I remember I got it back. They said you filled it out wrong. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> fill it out again. So I'll shut down real quick there. All right, going back to when we first met. Another reason why Theo is here. His nationality, I could not guess it when I first met him. No. I think that was one of the first things I questioned. Theo is actually Greek. Chinese. I've never met anyone with that combination before. <laughs> because you have this Asian look, yeah. but you have a mustache. Yeah, well, or now did, you have when, a beard. Yeah, or when you first saw me, I just had a mustache. Yeah, the Moe, man. The pedestal. Yeah, the Moe, yeah. Oh. And then by then, I was like, what is your background? I have no idea. Mm. Until you told me. And by then, I was like, I think you would have an interesting perspective on being between. I'd say two very different cultures. Yeah, like it's on opposite side of the globe for both, just about. Yeah, um, look, a lot of people, everyone, I'd say everyone that I meet will get it wrong, first go. If some new person I'll, I'll meet, you know, if I'm going out or, you know, at a party or anything like that, you know, we always bring up the nationality question. 
They, the first thing they say, you're Filipino. Filo, I wouldn't yeah. think you as Filo. Some people do. Some people. What's say, the most common? Filipino, legitimately. It's Filipino first. Yeah. Sometimes, rarely, they'll say, oh, I can, maybe you're a mix of like a, um, like a Malaysian and like a, an Australian, things like that. And then I just hit them with the, oh, I'm Greek and Chinese. They're like, no, <laughs> no, way. no way. Hey, do you, do you speak Greek or do you speak Chinese? And I'm going, no. You don't speak any of them? I don't. Um, so it's actually, um, ask my mum about that. I'm like, why do I, why am I struggling to any, even speak any of these languages? Like when you're a kid, she went to the doctor and she asked, you know, at the time, you know, what's the best practice for, for a kid, you know, multi-languages at mm. home. This doctor said to my mum, just speak one language. Just speak English. Oh, so no. you got like, you know, a lot of people these days at a young age, you see when they're around their kids, the parents, they speak to him multiple languages. Mm. I mean, my sister speaks to my niece in Chinese and she speaks fluent Chinese, fluent English. And I'm out here struggling. I can't put a sentence together without sounding like a, <laughs> like I'm saying three languages at once. Can you understand Greek Chinese though? On the Chinese side, I can understand a little bit what my mom says. You know, the, the basic the phrases mm. that you usually say at home, you know, if like food's ready, get mm. up, go to bed, things like that. What are you doing? But when it comes to, um, when it comes to Greek, I, I, I struggle. It is quite a skill to be bilingual mm-hmm. or even trilingual that you could have had the opportunity to. Oh, I could have. I imagine that if I had that, the job opportunities I would have. Would you actually? Yeah, I'd go for it. Like, there are a lot of things. You can take some international roles with that. Oh, like um, like you liaise with different teams or yeah, something? Yeah, li- liaising overseas or you have to travel to, to do your job working in different countries. I mean, I've heard of people that take language classes. Mm-hmm. For adults that, that weren't taught their first language. Oh, yeah. Sorry, their, their uh, ancestors' language mm. um, as a kid. And that seems interesting. Yeah, I did do that, actually. I did do that for um, for Greek. I remember trying to trying to learn Greek. It was, uh, I'd say, year five, year six in primary school trying to learn it. Mm. But I guess, you know, me at the time, I was very distracted in what I was doing. You know, you get those reports in primary school. It says easily distracted in class. He's a good kid, but he gets distracted easily. That's you. Yeah, that was me. So I I completely dropped it after year six and I never picked it up. I've always thought about it though, trying to pick it up. So sometimes I'll try and speak with my mum. I'll say, just teach me some Chinese words. I hear it's a lot harder to pick up languages as you're older though. Why is that? I don't know, actually. Is it because we just don't absorb things as much now? <laughs> it's just harder because we, like over the years we've, we've just been adjusted to how we talk. Mm. And I've been told by people if I, like I try to speak Greek or I try to speak Chinese, I sound like an Australian. I sound completely Aussie. Well, listen to your accent now and whoever's listening, you wouldn't be able to tell this guy. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell. straight Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 well, you would think he was just completely Australian. Yeah, and that's the same thing that you thought when you saw me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what are you? Yeah, I'm an alien. When I told you that, you're you're so surprised. It caught you off guard, and I mean, it caught like there was a couple others around me too, and they're like, "No, there's no way you can't be Greek and Chinese," especially because I had the um the mustache too. It's the Moe. Yeah, the Moe just throws me off. Yeah, I'll let you know all those um viewers at home. It's not like a, it's not one of those luscious ones that you see those Australian cricketers have. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a seedy. It's like the Netflix documentaries you see yeah. about those killers. That's that's, that's <laughs> what you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like that. <laughs> so that's what catches um, everyone off guard too. 
But in terms of your identity when you're in school, did you align more on your Greek side, your Chinese side, or were you just more trying to get accustomed to the Australian side? That's actually a good one because in some areas of high school, I would always like to say, yeah, I'm more Chinese. But at other sides, I would say I'm more Greek. So an example, hanging out with some of my mates, right, I would try and be more, I would try and be more Greek because, you know, in my high school, we were more, they were more Turkish, mm. Lebanese, things like that. So I'd like to try fit in, try and fit in. Say I'm, I'm like a Mediterranean, maybe like towards the Middle Eastern side. But then when I hang out with some of my other friends, you know, that were in my class at the time, like let's say example year eight, I actually did Chinese as one of my classes, and I would say, yeah, yeah, I'm more Chinese than I am Greek. <laughs> just, so it, it was based on the it was based on the scenario. You're changing you. the story yeah, was, every time. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm a bit more Greek today. <laughs> but uh, the amazing part was lunchtime at school. Sometimes I was bringing in, you know, Chinese food. Well, bit, it's a good mix of food. Yeah, the food. I, I get a bit of both worlds. And then sometimes I'd, you know, bring Greek food in, depending on, the, you know, when it was. Because there's so many, there's so many cultural events that I get to, you know, experience. Mm. So after those cultural events, bringing the food in. So would your mum... Who is who was Chinese? Mm. Would she try to get you to learn more about the the culture on her side? I don't think my mum really brought up the, the Chinese culture from her side. See, my mum was, of course, born in mainland China, in Shanghai, to be more precise. And at the time she was born, this is more of a a very communist era. This is you know, kids that had to wear a red armband around their arm to show. You know, they're loyal mm. as a communist. They had the what my mum used to call the little red book, which, you know, all the communist phrases, the songs, all that sort of stuff. But when my mum came here to Australia, I don't think she brought that with her. She she was more open. Mm. She like forgot about it, really. She Just was left more, it behind. Yeah, she left it behind. But in terms of what she knew, of course, she, you know, kept a lot of her traditions, what she learnt, at, learnt in primary school and all that, and she brought that here. What would that be exactly? So uh, her traditions of what she likes as culture. So how she decorates the house. Uh, the how, feng shui? Yeah, feng things shui. like that. Yeah. Like how things are laid out in the house. Even now, if I move something like- oh, no. If I move something around the house in 24 hours, it's somewhere else. And I don't even know where it is half the time. Like I've lost my keys a couple of times. It's gone missing. It's like your bed when you, you can't- put it a certain angle on the compass. Oh. Your head, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's like that. Yeah, she's brought a lot of things over. It, one, it's that. Two is the the culture of, you know, the Chinese culture of the house. So like my dad doesn't have too much stuff in the house that represents, you know, the Greek side. You walk into the house and you, you would instantly go, oh, this looks like a Chinese house. You know, there's teapots about, you know, there's a lot like dragons, you know, zodiacs. Yeah, the yeah the shrine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we have like the incense burning, things like that. No, that's that's always going to be around. Always around. You, it's the iconic smell. Well, how did you mix that household of Chinese decor and the Greek decor? The Greek decor is concrete. <laughs> House as is you, concrete. As you know, well, a lot of Greeks, uh, you know, the way to to show that they've built a house is a lot of concrete. And one of the things that makes it unique is your backyard. Now, you know it's a Greek house because there is a nice vegetable garden in the backyard. That's an Asian side too, though. 
It is. Say. It is. It is. But of course, what we're you know what we're eating. So my dad would do a lot of the gardening, and it would be just more of the more of the normal food that you eat. You wouldn't have like you know the Chinese cabbage and all that sort of stuff, mm. or the Chinese broccoli growing there. You'd have tomatoes. You would have your carrot, whatever's in season to grow. Right. It could be a mix. I mean, my mom never did any of the gardening. Side Whatever's of in the Woolies catalog, <laughs> the vegetable section. Yeah. But yeah, my dad would, he ran the garden. One of the most iconic things to show that Greeks lived in the house, a Corinthian at the front of the house. What is that? A Corinthian. It's like a pillar. Um, if you have a look at, if you go on Google and you look up the Acropolis, you'll see around the Acropolis, there's these pillars that support the roof. These are these are called Corinthians, right? Yeah, they're the you probably see them around. There's just long poles. Is that like the Greek mythology ones with the the lines going down them? Yeah, and then it just looks like they they curl off at the end. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely got a, a Greek feel to it. Yeah. So yeah, that that defines you know that the Greeks live in there. Yeah. There's so many different things, but yeah, for for me personally, my dad's side, there wasn't too much that you know said this is a Greek household. Maybe the barbecue, I guess. <laughs> I feel like that's every culture has a barbecue. It's true. It just—it's more of what do they put on there? Yeah, the difference. A lot of lamb. Chinese is more like what the Asian sausages, marinated meats. Yeah, a lot of cooking inside. There's you know woks just full of a lot of oil. A lot of chili. oil. Yeah. Uh, I for me, I can't handle chili. Uh, hey, that's not good. I oh, know. I know. Is Greek food spicy? I don't think it is. Right? Not really. No. Very little. Yeah. Very little spice. It's like it's like just adding salt and pepper. To your food. Mm. That's all it is. It's a, it's a lot more sour because you're adding lemon to a lot of this stuff. Right. But it's about the sweets for the grease. But your mum never gave you a lot of spicy food. No, not really. No, no. Uh, see, that's how. That's why you're weak. You uh, can't handle spice. Can't handle What's it. What's your tolerance? I could just, like, if you added chili to any food, like just some raw chili, mm. I'd be fine. Anything above that. But it depends what kind of chili you're putting on there because that could be a lot of- just different say, kinds. I'd say maybe red, green chili. A bird's eye chili. Yeah, just your normal ones. A little Sriracha. You can do sriracha. I could do that, yeah. Okay. As long yeah. as that's that's okay for you. Anything more than that, you're going to start seeing tears. You're going to be struggling. <laughs> well, in school, did you ever get picked on for this? No, I, don't, I never got picked on in school for, for my culture or mm. you know what I can and can't eat type thing. But I did get picked because I actually did go to a different school altogether for high school. So when no, I when so? I so when I finished um, primary school, I actually went to a high school that was out of my area. So it was a new experience for me, and I remember the just like the first few weeks there was the worst experience of my life. Didn't want to be there. What were you doing? Oh, I can't remember what I was getting bullied for. I know it was absolutely it was bad though. You just blocked it out of your memory. Yeah, I blocked it out. Oh. No one wanted to hang around me and all that. What was it for? Just because no one knew you? Yeah. It's one of those things. When you move to a new school, you, you no, one knows. no one knows you. Yeah. So they don't know who you are, what you're, you know, if, if you're going to be a cool kid or you're going to be a weird, things yeah, like that. Yeah. Everyone's already got their circles, right? Yeah. They got so their circle and you're trying similar. to fit into a circle. You know, funny you say that. I think that applies even now into adulthood. It's so hard to break into a new circle. If you're out there and you're trying to meet people, for example- how do you go about meeting people? Everyone already has their their cliques, their circles, mostly from school, uni. I mean, once you finish uni, it's just workmates and that's it. It's really hard to meet people after that. It is, it is. I mean, even for us, like, yeah, we still hang around each other 
for me, yeah, I still hang around a few. Like I talk to workmates after work. There's, there's still a few high school friends I still hang about. The uni friends I still hang about. But other than that, yeah, I even for me, I don't go out and try and, you know, meet new people. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's too Yeah, Even it's too naturally, it's, if you go to a bar or something, you start talking to someone. Yeah. I find it a bit strange. Yeah, it feels a bit weird to just start speaking to someone new because it's like, oh, I've got to remember this. You don't know what's this. wrong with them. You, well, you <laughs> got to remember who they are, what their interests are, yeah, what you talked about in the day and all that. And it's it's like so easy to forget. And then one day you might bump into it randomly and you're like, oh, I don't remember. I mean, Were you the, again? If people are out there looking for, for friends, look, I... Seriously, I think it's it's commendable. It's it's very hard to, to meet new people now. It is, yeah. After uni, it becomes really, really hard. Because in uni, uh, you're making friends within the class. Like, yeah, you're both you, struggling together. So yeah. it's very easy to talk yeah, there's to some, Yeah, there's something that you have in, the in common, common already. Yeah, yeah, you're about to fail a subject already. You, you know <laughs> Everyone about- Everyone cries Everyone's together. crying together. Yeah, we're all struggling. But yeah, in of course, work is the same because you're all on the same team. You have something in common. As soon as you're outside that workspace and you, you're on the streets, no, you, you, you don't lose know. that. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like everyone around you is it's like an alien. Don't have much in common. Yeah. You don't know anything about them. But that also applies during school, right? People had really large circles during school. Yeah. And then eventually after that, it starts to whittle down because you realize the only thing you really had in common was you just went to school together. Mm-hmm. That's it. Going back to your high school. So after you left that initial out of area school, mm. you moved to, was it an in area school? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's what I, so I went to a school, what was it, was a high school that was probably just outside of where I live. Because each school, when you see high school, every you can only go to a certain one depending on the area you live. It's like a radius. And to get into other schools, you either have to prove that you've moved or you as you know, in Asian culture, they do it a lot is they use a friend's address oh, to get no. into a better school. Cause they think it's going to be great for the kid. So they would say, Oh, I live here. Here are some bills that I, I'm, they're probably paying off some phone bill that yeah. they just put under the address to prove that they live there. And that's it. And that, that's what my mom did for me. She uh, pretended that she lived, you know, in the <laughs> Blacktown area and got me into, into my high school for the, yeah, the first week it was, it was really, um, it was weird. We're trying to break into a group, but after getting into a group, mm. after, you know, finally meeting people, we had like common interests, smooth sailing, I'd say. You don't seem like a kind of guy who would get picked on physically. Were you always a, a sort of tall, big kid? Um, you an early bloomer, weren't you? I don't know. I think I was a little bit, yeah. You had a mustache at like year eight, didn't oh. you? <laughs> <laughs> the mustache started as soon as I finished high school. But could you grow facial hair during By high then, school? Yeah, I could, but I never really like let it grow out. I think it was probably once a week I just shaved it all the way down, so I was bare faced. No, you were, you had a baby face, hey? Baby face all throughout high school. What's changed? Why do you have a beard now? I just don't have time to shave, really. It's just I'm, laziness. It, yeah, okay, it's it's really more yeah laziness. But you know, waking up six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. Just for context, I have to go to work every day. I don't get the benefit of working from home. Because you, you deal with- I deal with people yeah, in the office and um, you know, got to make sure everything's running. You can't do it from on. home. No, I can't so, turn off the power switch at home. That's so bad, man. Uh, but well, I do enjoy it. It's all right. I mean, 
better than just sitting at home I think 24-7, I, seven I'd, days a week. I'd rather do that. You're just spending so much on Opal. That's true. $50 a week. Oh, no. $50 a week. And then you got to buy lunch if you don't bring any? Yep. And city lunch, you know how expensive that is. Oh, that's $15 minimum. Minimum. That's if you're lucky. Yeah, that's if just it's a Macca's feed. That's it. <laughs> See, that's how you get fat and you're eating Macca's all day in KFC. Yeah. And of course- Always got to start off with the morning coffee. No, nah, and that's nah. that's minimum six dollars there. No, no, no. So already, like throughout the week, that's already it's daily. It's almost like thirty, forty dollars. See, how often are you guys drinking coffee? Let me know. If it's every, is it twice a day? I know some people that do three times a day for yeah, coffee. I'm every day. Personally, I don't drink coffee at all. And every time my workmates go down to get coffee, they're like, "Hey, Tung, do you want a hot chocolate?" And I'm like, "I'm all good, mate." <laughs> but you know the real reason for people getting coffee in the office. The they don't want to work. It's the no, bludge. I tag along with them. Yeah, it's the biggest- I said I don't want anything. It's the biggest bludge. It's, that's, yeah. You can get 30 minutes off right there. Thanks for the roast, Amanda, by the way, with that hot chocolate uh, comment that you have. Yeah, my old workmate. But no, I, it, it, it adds up. It does. that's basically your fare to, to get there one way. Yeah, one way. What is it? It's like almost $8, I think it is. Off, maybe for you. I know. I think I pay the maximum because of the, the distance? distance travel. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, it's an hour each way. I mean, would you be moving to a role that doesn't go into the office all the time? I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd say for me, I'm still deciding. There's so many opportunities. The role I'm in now, I have so many areas I can expand to or go to. Uh, I've been told, you know, availabilities to do a voice engineering role. Now, for some of you who, I don't know, maybe work in a contact center role, taking calls, service desk role. I would be the person that manages your your voice systems. Oh, uh-huh, press I've, one. Yeah, for IT support. Yeah, the, they call it the IVR. I don't, actually oh, don't know yeah. what it stands for. I don't but know either. But that sounds so familiar. Yeah, the IVR system, or you know, the other opportunities to move into a network engineering role. See, no one knows that. It's, it's such a random role to jump into. Voice engineer. It is. It's just very from like, IT. Yeah, it's so generalized. It's like saying you studied business. Where does that even lead you? There's so many pathways. Yeah, you can so go into HR from that. And then within HR, you can move into so many different, maybe like a work health and safety role or payroll role. Everything starts becoming niche and you find where you're just going to be sitting for- Basically the rest of your life. Yeah. God, that sounds depressing. Well, I mean, there I, I've heard from some people who have moved into this, you know, this voice role. They don't know how to get out of it because it's so specific and unique for the system that they use. It's hard for them to jump out. And they can't apply that anywhere else. They can't, yeah, yeah, because like the systems they use are so, they can only move to other areas that use that same system. Mm. And I think for anyone, they should try and have a look at if these, if what they want to do is a, a very specific role or if it's generalized, if they're happy to do specific, for the, you know, for the rest of their life and, and support what they want to do, go for it. But Sticking to a more generalized role, if you're you're not comfortable with uh, sitting in one position for too long, like in one job role. I mean, isn't that a double-edged sword? Can't they say that they have such a unique skill set mm. that they can ask for more wages? They can, but what happens if that thing becomes redundant? <laughs> oh, no. That's the problem, yeah. And um, that's the thing they got to be concerned about too. Yeah, you can have that very specific role and ask for more wages because you're the only person that might be able to manage it. What happens if that organization one day goes, no, we, we don't support this anymore. We're going to be moving over to this. So they might not even get the option to, to be able to take on the, the newer systems that take over. 
I mean, with IT, I feel like it seems to be a role that you always have to be learning, especially when we started in service desk. Mm-hmm. You always have to be learning how to fix things, the new updates from Windows. Yeah. Now Windows 11, that's out. I haven't upgraded to it, to be no, honest. No, we haven't upgraded <laughs> either. But since I left service desk, I haven't. But we still use Windows 10 systems anyway. Yeah, a lot of big organizations will stay with Windows 10 for the next, I think, two to three years. Yeah, but we're going to have to learn eventually. But more f- for personal use now. Before, I, I hated it because I remember before at my older or before, we had to help both Macs and Windows devices and I had no idea how to use a Mac. That was when I was considering to buy one just to learn. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been fun because I picked up all of my computer skills just because it was a hobby for me. And then for me to turn that into a career, when people say, oh, you should turn your hobby into a career, you'll never work again. No, it's not like that at all. I don't think it is. Personally, from what I found, I don't think it is. There might be people that are lucky enough to call that, to to say that. Uh, No, I think it burns that passion out because you feel like you're forced to learn that. Yes, it is. And hey, don't you get that one too? You get a lot of friends asking you, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Tung, my uh, computer doesn't turn on. What what could it be? What's the issue? Yes, I am the resident IT support person now. So if you do work in IT, people are going to assume you know everything to fix their problem. Yeah. It's like if you're a nurse, I swear, if you're a nurse, <laughs> yeah. everyone comes up to you, oh man, I've got this pain in my leg. Is, yeah. What do you think it could be? Hey doc, what is it? I think they just get inundated with questions all the time. Let us know if you're a nurse. Yeah, I got I got one friend that's a nurse and uh, it's exactly as you say. You know, we go up to him, hey, you know, what's this on my arm? <laughs> um, <laughs> how did I get this? How did I get this? Hey, is this all right? All good. Oh, I've been sick a few days. What could you recommend? <laughs> Things like that. And look, generalized as a nurse, you know, they could have their, their own thing of saying, oh, maybe you can go for this or you can try that. But there's some nurses out there that, of course, have their specialized roles. They can only do, you know, what's it called? Anesthesiac? Is that what they call oh, them? Some do like needles or something. Yeah, they do the needle. They're the ones that knock you out if you're, if you're going under. Oh. So, yeah. I'll try to get a nurse next time, guys. Yeah, bring, bring a nurse. Oh, that'd be great. Bringing a nurse in. Yeah, not not the stripper kind, but oh. proper nurse, yeah. <laughs> we'll get one on. Stay tuned. Another three months, maybe. Who knows? Depending how slow I am. Three, six. <laughs> be a while. Hopefully not. But yeah, how, how's it for you that um, you have to get all those questions? Hey, my computer doesn't turn on. My monitor's not working. No, I've gotten used to it, I think. I think it helps me learn too. Because I've been out of the game for a while. My computer's been working fine, but I do troubleshoot a lot just personally. And it does help me pick up things. Especially with the new, like new hardware that comes out, for example. I wouldn't know about it because mm. I don't upgrade my, P- my PC that often anymore. So people would come with this new hardware and I'd be like, oh, I can play with this, um, put this computer together with all this new stuff without me paying anything. Yeah, I think that uh, that's actually a really big benefit too with working with um, big organizations. Like you, get, we get some of like the latest and greatest in, in tech uh, that get announced. You know, we get, to, we get to try out new devices that some areas just don't get maybe until like a year later or something like that. This is a very IT thing, eh? It is an oh, IT thing. Oh, we love thing. the tech. Oh, like You amazing. think nurses feel that? Oh, we got this new syringe out. It <laughs> You can put two different drugs in at once. Yeah. It's two different holes or something. I don't know. And here we just get like a new mouse or a keyboard and we think it's, oh my it's fascinating. Lord. Oh, wow. I can move it like this. I can move Wait, it like that. What's the equivalent for people in business? Accountants. Oh, oh MYOB gets an upgrade. Yeah, you look, you've seen this new V lookup. 
I've just <laughs> discovered. Oh, this is crazy. Oh, wow. I can integrate this now with uh, Tableau. No oh, way. Tableau, no. <laughs> hey, who's using Myob? <laughs> yeah. So many different things with, um, you know, helping your friends and all that. I, I find it doesn't ever get to you though. Like sometimes you just get asked so many questions like, oh, I don't like doing this. I don't know the easiest way to say it, but haven't you ever just felt frustrated that you just kept getting asked so many questions? Because you're always around, for us, we're, we're around IT now 24 seven, mm. but we're going to sleep and then waking up straight in the morning and we're looking at email straight away. <laughs> It feels like it never ends, right? It's, you clock it's off never work, yeah. And then you get more work related. Yeah, and on the weekend, so. like sometimes I hate it if someone just goes, "Hey, bro, this isn't working. How should I fix it?" And like I'm like, "Man, it's a weekend. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with this right now." Wait, but you're on call. That's different. Yeah, that's on. Call. That's for work. <laughs> but I'm in like personal. Like, let's say you're not on call, and some one of your friends just goes, "Oh, bro." Oh, right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like your, your friend calls up and goes, "My PC's not working, bro. Can you come over to fix it?" Like a couple of times, I'd be like, "Man." I don't want to deal with this right now. I've just dealt with fixing a PC all week at work and I don't want to do it here. I did feel that at some point, but I've taken more of a firm stance where it's like, you'd have to bring everything to me yeah, and I'd probably have to get something out of it. You're getting paid now, eh? Not paid, but maybe (laughs) just like, you know, buy me lunch or something. That's that's all right. Because even though, yes, it might be quick for me to fix, but I've spent the past 10, 15 years picking up these skills where I can locate certain mm. things be like, you know, why is my computer not turning on? And I'd be like, okay, it's probably this, this, this because I've picked up all these skills. People might see that as, oh, it was just something simple. So you don't need anything. So same thing. I remember reading about something from someone who ran, I think it was a sewing business. Yeah. And someone brought in a shirt and they were like, oh, can you fix up this button? And they were like, oh yeah, it'd be, I don't know, like $30 or something. And the guy would fix it up in less than two minutes. And the guy's like, well, that took you no time. And he's like, well, maybe it wasn't a button, but it was some sort of mm. fixing of, of garments. And he was like, well, yeah, I've spent the past 20, 30 years picking up these skills to do it in two minutes. You pay for the skill, you don't yeah. pay for the time. Yeah. And the guy was like, nah, this is a ripoff. And the guy just rips off the, the fix, the button or whatever. And he's like, all right, take it somewhere else. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a it good is. story. I guess, yeah, for you, you've done IT a little bit longer than me, but every day we're actually, we, we gain a lot of new skills every day. For for IT, you're picking up, because there's so much emerging technology and so many things that we have to work around. There's so many different ways to fix one issue. There's so many pathways to find out why your outlook doesn't open up. <laughs> it, my advice would be if you are going to ask a question, at least put some effort in doing the research prior to asking us show that you've at least put some effort in rather than the first thing on your list is to ask someone else. So if you've gone like, let's say your game is crashing, it's throwing an error code. Have you Googled the error code first before asking me why it's crashing, for example? Because mm. that's that's pretty much what we do. We're just Googling things. People will always be like, how do you know how to fix this? And I'm like, I'm just punching in what you're telling me into Google and I'm reading what it could be. Actually, my boss at work says that to me something. Hey, have you Googled a solution for this issue? I'm like, <laughs> I'll be honest, I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> and I'll be sitting there for 30 minutes trying to fix one issue. That's, this is, that's pretty it's, much all you do is. in troubleshooting. We're just Googling things. I just might remember things off the top of my head because I've done it a few times. But in reality, that's all I do when I fix things. It's Google. 
I've been quoted a, a few times by my friends that says, mate, you're getting paid to right-click reset password. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing at some point as well. Yeah. Right-click, change password at next login, you're on your way. If people don't reset their passwords in time at work, it happens. Oh, too many. Daily. They keep getting the email. It's like, oh, got seven days left. All right, letting yeah. you know. And they just let it tick. And then they call up. And they're just like, oh, I never saw the email. My password's expired. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Oh, yeah. You can't be saying that. We know it's, We know you get the email. Yeah. yeah. You're just talking smack here, mate. Yeah. So for all of you out there, reset your passwords on time. Do it on time. Do it Save on your time. IT team some headache. Come on, please. Save a call. <laughs> don't, don't open any dodgy emails either. Because that's the worst part. You know, working in IT, you actually... The weakest link at work in terms of your your data is got to be the workers themselves. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a phishing exercise that was sent out from the security team. Yeah, we do the and same. It was like one of those download this PDF, yeah. but if you download and open it, it would send you a link to training and be like, hey, yeah, get enrolled fished. in a, a phishing course. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, and you got to you got to do this phishing course. And there was someone that called up and they were saying, "I'm trying to open this PDF, but it keeps linking me to this course." I'm trying to open it. I'm like, wow. mate, you're falling for it. Despite how many times it's saying that it's not working, they yeah. still try to open it and think it's real. Mm, they do. They do. Um, I mean, we we all do those phishing, you know, those simulations where we send out the, the fake emails to everyone. Mm. Every Some company does it. Every company does it, but people fall for it. And they make it very obvious too. Hey, you know, like it's like the most basic, weirdest looking email like you look at who it's coming from and it already says it's from an external source the email yeah. says it's all this gibberish it's all this gibberish and says hey the, the weather's looking great today uh to find out what the weather is in your area just click on the what link what a random email to get it's so random and someone will still click on it and i can't believe it see that, that's the worst part i don't know i see a lot of people in higher management positions higher paid positions but their technical skills at least on a foundational level, it seems quite weak. Yeah. Where it's just like, how do I save an email? Yeah. Th- those higher level IT roles, some of them are really just managerial jobs. They they don't have the technical background. Like, Oh, no, I just there. mean like in general. In general. Pe- people in those higher up positions, yeah. not just in IT. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't have the foundational skills, interestingly. No, no. Some of, some, of them, some of them, yeah, they just struggle with the most basic concepts. Yeah, oh, I need to change the, the font on this or the, the spacing on this Word document. How do I do that? Like, yeah, we're getting yeah getting a call for that. That's, and you just, <laughs> just like- Just Google this, man. Yeah, and you just highlight and you say, just click this here. And that, oh, it was that easy. Oh, and they'll no. call back a week later with the same issue. <laughs> I'm like, come on, I showed you This is what it. we face with every day. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Not Luckily anymore. for me, I don't work in service desk. I don't think you do as much. I don't do the... Look, sometimes I might take a call here and there if it's needed from my team, if they're, you know, a little bit swamped. But for the most part, yeah, I don't take the calls anymore, but I still deal with the walk-ups. So you got to go there in person? No, they come to us. If oh. Yeah, if the, let's say someone's having an issue with their laptop, we tell them, you're coming to the office. Oh, okay. And of course, the biggest ones, I have to deal with the interstate. Staff members too. What they fly them in or something? Nah, if they got issues, we're <laughs> we're shipping out devices to them. What the hell? Yeah, we we ship give them a fresh one. Yeah, sometimes that, that's the the easiest way to ship a, a new device out, set it up for them, and ask for the old one back. Oh my god! 
and then just rebuild it and give it to someone else. Oh my God. You give them a refurb instead. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of organizations do that anyway. Uh, their mm. device they get is just going to be from someone else right. that's left or it's been re, you know, re-imaged as we say. Well, we just sidetracked completely. We actually did. But we were actually talking about still being IT. Greek and Chinese. And- we were, but IT is still sort of the topic in yeah. this episode anyway. So going back to your background, mm-hmm. which food do you prefer? Oh, mate. You know how tough that is because on both sides, it's amazing. <laughs> like, especially uh, during like some cultural Greek festivals or, um, you know, like Chinese New Year and all that. I, I, you can't get enough. I can't get enough. It's the best of both worlds. The Greek food's amazing. The Chinese is amazing. But honestly, for me, I feel like I'm more of a, a Western side. So I do like the Greek food a little bit more, even though I don't eat it as much mm. as the Chinese. I eat Chinese food more often than Greek. I feel like you eat more pub food in general. Yeah, I do. The type of diet you have. <laughs> Chicken parma. <laughs> You're very Australian. Yeah. More yeah. than Greek. Yeah, I am. I am. You know, I like my steaks. I love the medium rare cooked steaks with a bit of mash on the side. How did you get more influenced by Aussie culture more than what you grew up with? I think the Aussie culture really came from everything that was happening around me, especially with high, because high school is going to be your influence, right? Depending on the high school you go to, that's going to really reflect, I guess, how you act or how you're going to be growing up. You can see some of the kids, you know, that go to maybe through Carlingford or Epping or things like that, you know, those really, oh, what are they called? Selective high schools. Oh. And you can <laughs> you see how they come, you know, they're very traditional with their families, Mm. Uh, whereas you come down to the, I, I, from my experience, coming down to the Western suburbs, it's very, it's a very Aussie-like uh, in my high school. It's a very mixed multicultural high school. It's a co-ed school that I went to, but everything we're doing there is we so Aussie. <laughs> you know, lunchtime we're playing footy. You know, we weren't running, uh, I don't know how to say, it, you know. When I met you, you were such a stereotype. Yeah, I was a full Aussie. Wasn't you I? were full blown Aussie. Man. G'day, mate. How are you? How are you, champ? Oh, champ, trooper, cobber. How you going, mate? Yeah, and it's don't forget, it's the influence that we see in high school. Also, the YouTube. I mean, YouTube at the time was becoming really big through high school. So there was a lot of um, big YouTubers that were growing, and we we'd all watch it. And you know, like um, Superwog. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring up Superwog the moment Superwog, you said that. Hundred percent. Yeah, you know, Superwog Community Channel. That's what we were watching in high school. And then, of course, with the with everyone watching the same thing around us, we'd start quoting them all the time in all the things I would say. Even then, the school that you went to... Yeah. Wait, was that a, a more mix of... Was that the, the, the mix of, like, Turkish? So, I'd say the cultural... It was a lot of Australians there. For, for my grade, personally, it was a lot of Australians. We had, of course... Um, in terms of the cultural side, we had some Burmese kids there. We had Chinese. We had Argentinians. Mm. We had, like, yeah, what we say, the the Turkish there. We had a couple Lebanese, a couple Greeks there. Nice. I think for my grade, maybe it was like three or four Greeks. It was really, really mixed. It was, it was. Uh, we had the Indians, the, you know, Bangladesh, um, Sri Lankans, things like that. It was a very, very mixed school, but we all acted Aussie around each other. It was... <laughs> Like the only time we felt multicultural was, you know, multicultural day where everyone dressed up in their traditional. I didn't because I didn't know how to dress. (laughs) I came in my school uniform. At home, how about discipline? Was it more Asian? I think discipline was very, 
westernized. Yes, it was. A, it was. Yeah, I did have the you know the Asian discipline. If I did something wrong, you got smacked. I got smacked. Yeah, that was only I'd say until high school that happened. After high school, I'd, my parents never you hit puberty. You got taller than them. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Started looking down. Who, who's in charge now? <laughs> Example: My dad never believed in the whole hitting thing. Mm. My mom was different though. She that's very traditional. Yeah. It's very traditional for my mom to to do that. But it wasn't like a full on a beat down WWE <laughs> SmackDown versus Raw style. Yeah, yeah. It was just a straighten yourself up. Because there is a couple times I did, I wouldn't say I was getting in trouble, but I haven't, you know, been sent to the principal's office. <laughs> You're a bad boy. Eh? One of them was a really, I don't believe I should have ever gotten well, in trouble. Tell me for. the story. Go on. Maybe we'll get the listeners to All right, let some, us know. Some of you at home will know Final Fantasy and the very popular one, Final Fantasy Seven. Cloudstrife has his uh, sword. It's a, it's a big sword. Yeah. But I had a keychain version of it. Like a small keychain. It hung around uh, my keys. Was it sharp? It was not sharp. It was super blunt. It did have a point at the end. Oh, see, that's dangerous. it wasn't sharp. And um, I was in PE and I dropped my keys because I was just about to get changed. I dropped it and the teacher saw it and she saw it as a weapon. And she sprinted to the office with the my keys. Oh, she picked it up. and She just picked it up. It. She's like, this is a weapon. I'm like, Miss, no, it's not. And she <laughs> ran with it to the principal's office. She and- cut herself. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, with that blunt weapon. Yeah. You're struggling a bit there. And I remember my parents got called for it. I was sitting outside and I could hear it inside. And the, the thing I remember clearly was my dad going, If you'd like to see a weapon, I'll show you a weapon. Here's a pen. And he slammed it on the table and said, That could stab someone. Yeah. Because the principal was saying, We could call the police for your son bringing a weapon to school. What? And yeah. So we got, what would we say, like a level three warning before suspension. So you get sent home. We have levels of warnings. We, we had levels that. of warnings. So level three was like you had to, before school, during recess and lunch, and then after school for like half an hour, you had to sit in the office. It was like detention. It was like detention, but permanent almost. For how long? I think I had to do it for like two, three weeks. That's so stupid. I never gained anything out of that. I, because What did you learn? Well, for me, my parents said I wasn't in the wrong. They said, I don't know why you bought it in the first place, why you bought this keychain. <laughs> But you're not in the wrong for this because they they knew yeah. what it was. The, these teachers, what were they thinking? <laughs> but, you know, my mom was too angry with me for getting in trouble in the first place. Oh, I think that's just them overall. They don't like it when you're embarrassing. Yeah, you embarrass the, you know, your parents. They think it's not good. Mm. On, yeah, on dad's side, and there was never really too much of the, um, well, I don't even know really what, what the Greek culture would be like with, bringing up kids and all that sort of stuff. I never really experienced it too much with my dad, but with my mum, the Chinese side was, it was very noticeable, especially learning maths. Oh, oh. she gave you the times tables and everything? She gave me the timetable, you know, I'd be sitting down there, learning, learning, learning. Mm. Uh, I remember I got this book, it was called Speed Mathematics, <laughs> how to how to do different things, like how to <laughs> solve different equa- like different formulas and all that really quickly. It would help for a while, and I forgot. And then, of course, the classic tutoring. Oh, you went to tutoring. I went to tutoring, and I was, of course, never interested. And I hated no, tutoring. I hated that. This was, um, I remember I had English tutoring. Mm. I remember that one. I did that for a little bit. I had maths tutoring, which I did for quite a while and never gained anything out when of it. When did you stop going to tutor? I told my mom, I think it was like year eight, year nine. I, I'm like, I'm not learning anything from this. I'm telling you to save a, it was $180. I think it was for like a- Like a term, right? Yeah, like, well, I was saying it's two, 
two or three lessons worth. What? Well, it was a private tutor? Private tutor. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm not learning anything out of this. You save your money. And of course, the final one, piano. Oh, piano. Piano. I feel like I would enjoy having a skill to play an instrument. Yeah, I wish I did too. I know I just said I went to tutoring for piano. I can't play it. But even then, having said that, I think as a kid, I wouldn't have really put myself into it. Put the effort in, I mean. Oh, we, I don't know. Just Some kids just go all in when when they go to tutoring for either external, you know, the extracurriculars. Others, just like me, are just like, I don't want to do this. I just, just want to play chilling. video games. <laughs> that was me. And then they were like, oh, just going to become a dropkick now. Yeah, I remember one of my teachers said that to me. She was like, you're not going anywhere in life. And that day I got into uni. <laughs> oh, I feel, thinking about it, that was a bit, that was a very smug move. I went back to high school and I'm like, hey, miss, here's my acceptance letter. Oh, no. Oh, she was not happy about that. But. Egged the car, did you? No. Oh, Probably should have. Our grade was a bit rowdy, I'd say. <laughs> Why what makes you say that? Oh, there's a, there's a couple of bad things that happened. There was a incidents that happened on the principal's car mm-hmm. there i remember our year 12 so you know year 12 fun days out right you, you get that one day in year 12 yeah, you get we, to go out and have fun we had a picnic day yeah pic- yeah ours got cancelled because of how bad we were and remember we were at assembly and the principal said like this is the worst year 12 i've ever seen <laughs> and we all couldn't believe what we'd heard and at that assembly she's like your year 12 fun day has been cancelled what did you do for the day we all came to school and we didn't go to class we just sat around. That was it. Oh my god! Yeah, we can believe that too. Well, I mean, your school was in Blacktown. I don't know if how your mum thought a school in Blacktown would have been better to go to. Asian parents mingle a lot, so when you hear one kid's done decent at that high school and uh, yes. gotten to whatever they've gotten to, maybe uni or maybe the parents lied and said uni, but it was actually TAFE or something. Other parents get influenced really quickly. That's that's how I got put into my high school. My mum was influenced. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think she made the right choice? You know, where I am now, I think she did. I think it was better than going to the, you know, the other high schools in the local area that I had the option for because the demographic there, it- it, Was even worse. It was was even worse than than what I was actually going to. I think my mum helped me, helped me pick the right path. And I think too, with my mum and, you know, my dad, you know, always- I guess straightening me out, you know, everything, every time I did something wrong, they would- Were you a bad kid? I wouldn't say I was a bad kid, but you know, you're getting your grades easily distracted. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of those easily distracted. Like, what were you doing in class, man? You're always making jokes or something. Always making jokes, making a ruckus, never doing my work, homework never done, things like that. I think I, the time I actually started picking up my game, it was year 11 and 12. And a lot of, you know, a lot of you out there will probably have that same- like that same, uh, what's the word for it? Mentality? Yeah. As soon as you hit HSC time, something just clicks. And you, you probably noticed at school too, you got a little bit more serious. Did you get serious yourself during year 11 and 12? Not really. Oh. I felt like <laughs> Shut down, there, there was a certain point where I was doing really well in maths. And I've yeah. told this story before. I would always be at least 80%, 90% mm. in tests. When we hit year 11, we had this test about circle geometry. And I scored like 30%. Oh. It was the worst exam I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And the head teacher, they come in and they, they move people around if you've done worse. Mm. It was the first time I was always in the top class. And he you know, tells me and my mates, oh, you're going to you're going to move to the lower class, mate. I'm like, oh God. 
This has never happened before. General maths, was it? No, this was three unit maths. Three unit. <sighs> yeah. Never did that. I just, I just did general maths. Well, I, I was ended still up, struggling. I ended up dropping it anyway. Yeah. And just doing two unit. But it, even then, there was it was a big wake up call. Not that I ever actually woke up to the call. I kind of mm. put it on snooze. And uh, yeah, that made me realize that maybe I'm not so good at maths. I think people can relate to this story a lot when you're a kid, your parents keep saying you're gifted. <laughs> and when they tell you that you feel like you don't need to put the effort in because you're gifted in a sense. And that's how I felt. I, I was like, oh, I don't need to study as much because this is easy to me. But then these new concepts came in and I just couldn't work on them at all. Yeah, 100%. That was me too. I I just gave up on a lot of things. Like, you know, your f- first few weeks of high school and all that sort of stuff, it, whichever year it was, you do really well. Like, you're like, oh, this is easy so far. <laughs> and then as soon as like the first test or the second test comes in and you fail, you just give up. You're just straight up like, oh, oh well. Done for on that one. Yeah, because they don't tell you it's more on the effort you put in. No, I saw, how I saw it was, all this is, is how good you are at memorizing formulas and how to, to, yeah, yeah, and how to execute them in the right, in for the right equation or the right question. (laughs) Or with English, it's just how to bullshit. Yeah, just how to relate it back to- uh, (laughs) The belonging. Belonging for us, that's what we (laughs) had to do. Sense of belonging. What a time. But even then- God, I did terrible. But now I'm at, yeah. you know, I've, I've got a job. What ATAR did you get? No, I'm not saying on the podcast. So Theo, you said you grew up in quite a politically driven family. Yeah, I did actually. Was, um, so with my family, actually, my my father, my dad was, um, I guess we could say he was like a polit- politician. Mm. He was once a independent Councillor for Blacktown City. You'd probably be able to find him if you Google. If you, yeah, if you Google my name or actually, no, yeah, if you Google my father's name. It's not hard to find. No, you're, you're easy to find. Um, and my father also was at one stage the mayor of Blacktown. Mayor of Blacktown City Council, I should say. Big That's resume. The, yeah, big, <laughs> big resume. And for him, actually, he was the first immigrant uh, for Blacktown to become a mayor. Uh, it, it, it's a big thing, of course, uh, especially for the, the time that he became the mayor. This is uh, the big influx of immigrants into mm, Australia. The white Australia policy. The white, yeah, all that sort of stuff. You, you probably, I'd say, Tung, for your, your parents too, it's around the same time, I, I'd 1990s, say. 1990s, Oh, was maybe. yours in the 90s? Okay, maybe. Yeah, they I'll came out a bit later. A bit later, okay. Yeah. But this is roughly about the same time that um, that Australia really started opening its borders to to a lot of immigrants from around the world, not just not just New Zealand and all that sort of stuff. This was a time too that, yeah, Blacktown went from a municipality to a, a council, a city council. What does that mean? It's just how they've structured the local government of the area. So right. it's just it's just a change of structure. And it's, it's saying that Blacktown has so many, it, its populace has grown so big that it can now be considered a, a city. Mm-hmm. And for me, well, I wasn't around when my father was the mayor, but I was still around when he was a councillor for Blacktown. And growing up around that period, it was, you know, he'd always, you know, at nighttime, he's always going out to to functions because at the same time, he's part of uh, the historical society because one of the biggest things that my father loved was um, the history of the community around him 
or the the preservation of iconic landmarks. Mm. For some of you that live around the Blacktown area, you would know of things like St. Bartholomew's Church or you would know about the Civic Centre or things like, you know, where Kmart is or where West Point is. West Point. West Point, yeah. yeah. Good shopping centre. Or example, Max Weber Library um, of what it become today. And yeah, a lot of the things that he loved to do was um, ensuring that these areas were always preserved for the future generation to be able to, to go visit or go learn about the area. Mm. Now, for me, growing up in that little political thing, I would I would see, I'd see those um, events going to, with my father going to council. I would go with my dad uh, sometimes throughout the week. Uh, I would go with him and he would be going into his council chamber meetings where he'd meet with the other councillors to do, as they call them, minute meetings. Uh-huh. Where, yeah, you know, yeah, where man. they explain this is what's happening this week or yeah. this is what we'd like to propose. What's on the agenda. Yeah. And then, of course, there'd be little me running around the council chambers. <laughs> uh, and even to this day, sometimes if I do go to the council chambers or go to council themselves and I say who I am, they're like, oh, we know your dad. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's done a lot. Yeah, done a lot for the community. So some of the biggest things that he's told me that he's done was the first, one of the big, first biggest things was um, sewerage. I know it's a weird thing to talk about on the podcast, but at the time when he became like a a counsellor and everyone around him, Blacktown was in a stage where, you know, the garbage people would come around with a separate truck for sewerage, you know, waste sewerage. Even then? Back then? Yeah, back then. Like- the major roads, as some would know, Reservoir Road, uh, Flushcombe Road, Blacktown, it was just dirt roads. So the first thing, as my dad liked to say, was curb and gutter and sewerage the road. Sewerage the road. What does that even mean? So it's having houses connected to actual sewerage pipes, lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pipes. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about waste management. But the surrounding areas would have had sewerage. Some of them did, yes. Uh, but- Blacktown didn't at the time. That's so weird. Yeah. I just figured it'd be a standard thing by then. It wasn't a standard thing back in, the, I'd say, the, in the 70s and all that. 60s, 70s. But yeah, other things, you know, uh, the the introduction of the, the road system for Blacktown, setting up how Blacktown looks like today. There's so many different areas that you, you, you go around and you see. A lot of it was, you know, because of the approvals that my dad and other councillors around him said yes to. But for me, yeah, what, actually one of the, um, of course, with all the benefits that he's done, of course, there's always negatives because not everyone is going to like a politician. You're not going to get 100%. No, no, you can't please everyone. No, you can't. And even as an independent, you know, not affiliated to either Labor, Liberal, the Greens or whatever, independent, he, he, he got his uh, fair share of hate. I remember always, you know, seeing some of the postcards that he got from, uh, from people that didn't like him. They would send it to him? They would send it because back then, you know, addresses were available in the white pages or the yellow oh, pages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he got things like, you know, why did you do this? You know, we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to come find you and all that sort of stuff. There were some, also de- big death threats. threats. Yeah. Death threats. Right? There was two times actually, there's a little newspaper clipping. I showed you a few months ago. I may, maybe I'll be able to share it later with. We can post the, it uh, in post the description. It. Yeah. One time uh, someone Someone came around and um, put a few shotgun shells into our house. Is this the current house you're living in? No, it's not the current house. It's the older house. Right. Yeah, this was, um, I think it was the second house my dad lived in. Okay. And he was, 
he, he told me that we were, um, I was sound asleep at the time. I think I was just like a baby. No, you wouldn't have known. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I got to read the newspaper article, but it, he said to me that um, someone drove by and two shotgun shells in the house. Boom, boom, through the front window. Slagged it. And yeah, it was just like a drive-by. And it, was, it wasn't once. It was twice. It was two. Two different occasions. Two different occasions, yeah. How far apart? Uh, months apart. Did they ever find him? No. Well, my dad said he had a sneaky suspicion who it was. There was a, there was a park that he was trying to preserve. And um, there, was a, there was a person there that kept dumping rubbish into this park. And one day my dad found out about it and, you know, got the police to, to put charges for illegally dumping yeah, rubbish. Yeah. Uh, and that person wasn't too happy about that. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, we think that's what, it, he, that's what he said he was related to. Yeah. But yeah, where the, where the shotgun pellets went through is where my, my, on my Greek side, my grandmother was sleeping. She was actually just sleeping in that, that same room. What the hell? Yeah. We, we were shocked. And I remember he was saying the next day when the media were around and all that, on my Greek side, my grandmother couldn't speak English. So she didn't know what to say when she opened the door and there's all these reporters out there yeah, with, yeah. A, with like a camera and all that trying to ask questions. Yeah, there's so many different times where, you know, he always got like hecklers when we're out when, and about. Yeah, just in the grocery but, shopping or something. Yeah, just a random one. But no, like a lot of them, a lot of people were, were supportive. That's the thing, but if you're in any sort of place of reputation it's the negative comments that stand out even though yeah. you have so many supporters so it's a very hard mindset to get over even like let's say for influencers it's i'd say it's especially hard for them mentally to have always have people that are just heckling you putting hate comments on all your content all the time it's very draining even though you do have a lot of supporters it's just the 1% that you can't please that stand yeah. out the most. And I think, well, for him, it's actually, it's much different because this is way before social media time. So oh, that would have been, that's a lot more personal though. Postcard. Postcard. Yeah. We're getting personal letters. That's I remember scary, I, I've, man. I've read a couple of them recently and I'm like, wow. People, you still have them? Yeah. I've still got them. Yeah. Why, why did you keep them? Evidence. I actually don't know why uh, my dad kept a lot of the stuff. He, he's kept, well, like I said, he, he's a big history person. He's a, he's a part of multiple historical societies. He's all about preservation and, you know, local heritage. So I guess anything that he got, he would just keep. He wouldn't throw it away. I, he, he never saw a reason to throw something like that away. Maybe it motivated him. Maybe it gave him a <laughs> laugh or something. But yeah, I could imagine now for someone, if they did one wrong thing, or, you know, you, you see with other politicians, is that mm. as soon as one thing that happens and boom. The media's all over it. Yeah, we're all over it. But yeah, back then it was, you know, you'd have to wait 24 hours before you saw, before you saw any news about mm. whoever did anything. But yeah, my dad didn't go any further than uh, a councillor or higher than the mayor of Blacktown. He saw it about more growing the community. He, he wanted to, to make Blacktown as what it is today. Well, did he have enough time for spending time with you at least he did he did he, he always had time or he would always just bring me along with him to to his events because he was always eager to say this is my son <laughs> he loved it yeah he loved it and like i said that's why if i go around now uh especially in blacktown area if i go to where most of the political side of things are you know the the civic center or the council chambers or max weber library people still know 
who he is or who I am. So what pushed you to become a JP or a justice of the peace? So actually I started doing the JP role, the justice of the peace role. Well, let the, of course the viewers know at home, this is a, it's a free role. It's, it's a voluntary role. It's not paid for anything like that. Mm. It's just there to help the community. We're able to help, you know, sign some affidavits or legal documents or stat decks or just certifying copies um, of original documents or certify they're true. Mm. Uh, I actually did that to, to help um, help with the Vietnam veterans originally. I was helping them out in the in their office just, you know, maybe once a week or on the weekends or something when I was free from school. And they always needed someone to, to um, sign documents. So as soon as I was able to, I think it was 18 at the time, mm. I, I did the little quiz online, passed the test, paid for a form to get filled out and submitted and became a JP. And ever since, since 20, I think it was like second, third year of uni, I, I got it. I've just been signing away, helping, you know, whoever needs their document signed. It's more, yeah, it's more of a volunteering job. Yeah. Cause I, I've never heard of anyone being a JP at yeah, the time. Yeah. There was, there, there is a lot. There's like a big registrar. So you can always look around and just go, hey, I, I need someone to help me certify this document. You look up your postcode and it'll tell you everyone in that area with their phone number who can, who can Boy, assist. That's kind of sketchy. It man. is, it is. Your name has to be in a registrar, but I rarely get a call about it anyway. It's like once a blue moon, someone will go, hey, I need help signing this document. I go, sure, I'll just bring it over. I can meet you in a safe spot for both of us. Safe spot. Yeah. You never know. So yeah. we, we always you usually just say, oh, I'll just go to Maccus Car Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or in front of Woolies or whatever it is. Very interesting resume, Theo. You, I feel like you've been all over. You have quite a background yeah. of, of experience. With my dad being political, I think it's it, it's also shaped what I do today because I have to be caught. You know, I'm, I'm cautious about what I do. I, I can't be like, I can't do anything that's going to get me in trouble because- it would reflect bad for, for my family. If you know what it's I mean, like, it's like saying you you got to be careful what you say or you get cancelled or something. Yeah, it's like the, the whole cancel culture. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. And there, there's a lot of things I always got that second seven second pause. Go, <laughs> should I do this? Yeah, should I speed here? <laughs> yeah, that's something <laughs> else, that. mate. My dad is yeah, he's had a very big influence on my life. He's even in Blacktown in, in general. I mean, if anyone knows about him, let us know if you might've heard about him. You might've heard about him. Yeah, there's a there's a few people out there that still heard of the name. Mm. And the fun fact, if you ever go into Blacktown Council, because sometimes, you know, you might need to pay your rates or something like that. I don't know if you're homeowners out there yeah. or if you need to pay off any, any bills. If you go in there, there is actually a board there of the first, you know, the first, um, how do I say it? Councillors of Blacktown City Council. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, my dad's name's in there. Nice. Um, actually, one of his biggest achievements, though, it was three. So the first one that he got was the Centenary Medal in 2000. So Centenary Medal is given out to anyone that has contributed to society mm. uh, in any, you know, any shape, any way, and they're recommended by someone to, to earn this medal. A lot of people got the Centenary how, Medal. How do you determine who recommends it? Anyone can recommend it. It's just the evidence that that's given with it. Right. So usually a lot of the people that you see will have it based on, you know, it will say, you know, for community service or for helping the community here and that. A lot of people got that centenary medal mm. because it was the year 2000. 
Um, it was a way to, to thank the public servants, the community out there. The second one that he got was the local government medal. Uh, the local government one he got for 35 years in local government. So he was working there basically since he immigrated to Oz. Yeah, actually, he started off, honestly, he started off as a boilermaker when he came to Australia in Yonora. What the hell? Yeah, he was Yonora. a boilermaker. Yeah. He used to say to me, um, I used to finish off as a boilermaker and then head to another boilermaker job. Yeah. That was across Sydney. But back then it was illegal to have two jobs. What a weird So law. he had to, yeah. One of them was, of course, a, a check, written out check. The other was cash in hand. Cash, yeah, yeah. Cash in hand. Back to that medal, yeah, he got that for 35, 35 years in local government mm. from the municipality time to Blacktown City Council. I think his last year in council was 2004 where he was he was beaten out by, um can't remember, and that, wouldn't be able to remember. It's been that long now. It's ages ago, man. It was, it was, but Nearly I 20. do, yeah. Fun fact, if the person that's running for whatever government, local government, state or whatever doesn't get in, if I'm not mistaken, they're allowed to nominate their votes to go to somewhere else. I think that might be how it works. I know with local, I'm pretty sure that's how it, you can nominate someone to take your votes if you don't get in. All right, I'll have to confirm that. I have to confirm <laughs> it. Maybe it'll pop up in Dai Lee's episode when she talks about it. And then the final medal he got very recently, it was a 2013 or 2012. It was the Queen's Birthday Honours. Mm. got the Order of Australia medal for his service to the community. Public service, I should say. How often do they give those out? So the Order of Australian Medals given out during, you know, major public holiday events. So Australia Day will have its own. Mm. At the time, it was the Queen's Birthday Honours. Now it's going to be the King's Birthday Honours. Yeah. Actually, I don't think there's any other. Those are the only two major days I can think of. How many do they give out? I don't know how many give out. I know there's different tiers for the medal. So there's the general, the Order of Australia Medal. The general division is just for anyone that's you know a public servant okay. or anyone that's done good for the community. They could be just a, a citizen or civilian. And then they've got the military division, which is anyone from a, a military role. Right, right. But yeah, he, he got those ones um, for all the things that he's done for the last uh, more than 35 years. For, for Blacktown. For Blacktown and surrounding areas, yeah. Man, so you actually do have some uh, some reputation in Blacktown. My dad did, me not so much, of course. I, I haven't continued his footsteps. I've I've been asked by a few politicians in the recent years. Oh, you, if you've you been have to, that pressure, do you? I do, yeah. I've been asked, Would you know, this is something you can consider doing, but I don't know. It's uh, You don't think you're out for it, eh? I don't think I would be too good at it. I don't think. You got to talk to a lot of people. You got to manage a lot of people's expectations. I think it's better to leave his legacy yeah. behind as something that was good rather than try and fake it till you make it and end up make doing a bad job and just oh, try destroy and that. Ruin the name altogether. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, I think that's something I'll, I'd stay away from. Yeah. It's probably the best way. Not as in a bad way. If you, I mean, if anyone out there wants to be a politician, there's many different ways to, to become one and how to you know raise your hand to, to get into those events. But it's not for everyone. It's no. it's a, it's a, especially in today's age. It's just a, it's a very tough role because there is a lot of backlash that can happen to you. They they can dig up a lot of things in your past. They very can easily. pull out random things out of nowhere that you, even you don't even remember. I'm trying to find something on something I posted on Facebook in 2006 or something. Yeah, 2008. I don't know, but we'll hear more about that once I release my daily episode, which will probably be out by the time this comes out. Hopefully. 
But I think we've gone on for long enough for this episode. I think too long. Yeah, thanks, Theo, for coming on to this episode. If you do have any other questions that you might have about IT or maybe something you want to ask Theo, just send us a message on uh, the Instagram at Rice and Mike's Podcast or our email, Rice and Mike's Podcast at gmail.com. We'll sign off for this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. See ya. Peace out. Hey, come on. Boop, boop.